Hello there and welcome back to the Chat Shit Get Fit, the fitness news where we unpack the week's biggest news in health and fitness. I'm Bill and as always I am joined by Tom. Hello. But not as always, oh exciting times, we are not joined, or we are joined I should say, by another returning guest. Hello Jay. Yeah, how you guys doing? Oh my god, familiar voice, very exciting. You've been on the podcast, how many times was it? Is this your third time now? It's my third time on the podcast, yeah. Yeah, third time, exciting times, yeah. I think we've got enough like sound sample of sound samples of you now that like we can just use AI. AI, to just yeah, have you on whenever we want yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, whenever you we know. need you. <laughs> yeah. So if you start getting like DMs saying like, hey, I heard you talking about that episode about, uh, I don't know, something random. I don't know, UFOs or something <laughs> random. You know, it's probably the AI yeah. going absolutely rogue, lifting yeah. in space. There you go. Brilliant. Somehow got it back on topic. I, I know this is completely off topic, but, you know, on the topic of AI, I heard that some guy made, like, money off of selling uh, AI, like, fake AI albums of, like, famous celebrities. No way. So, like, the technology is just getting out of hand. But you know what? It's actually Bill sent me... Bill, it was you, wasn't it? You sent yeah, me Freddie something. Mercury. Yeah, Freddie, Freddie Mercury. Freddie Mercury covering... Yeah, yeah. Um, Beatles song. Covering <laughs> a Beatles song. And yeah. it was really Really uncanny. good. Yeah, it's terrifying. actually scary. It's, it's amazing. Mm. And even though you can see the opportunities there for so much at the same time, it is scary. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know? Suddenly, all these conspiracy theories don't seem like a conspiracy <laughs> yeah, theory anymore. Absolutely. <laughs> when I could literally be superimposed on the moon or something. Yeah. Right. You know, the, the whole, you know, birds are fake. We know that. Yeah. Oh, God, you. <laughs> exactly. Have you seen like video footage of me, I don't know, assassinating JFK? <laughs> with a pigeon I wasn't even around in the 60s yeah but look yeah. here's a clear video of you <laughs> Tom hitting yeah. him with a broken bottle we've not got you on for your AI expertise have we Jay we've got you on because I, I would like to call you a voice of reason in the world of nutrition I think it's fair to say thank you so what would you say you've been up to recently since we last chat what, what would you say so you know recently um, I was going really hard with the plant based space you know the vegan space and the vegan community but um, I started to realise that my own relationship with food was sort of impaired and, you know, I've gotten more into um, not the anti-diet space, but the more intuitive eating, mindful eating space, mm-hmm. trying to repair my relationship with food, trying to understand the, the connection between the psychological aspects of eating and um, nutrition itself. I think that's really important. I think that's something that many people don't talk about. Um, also, the sociological aspects of, of food and eating. Um, that's really been my focus the last couple of months and weeks. Uh, but you know, obviously I love nutrition. I love talking about, you know, many different things, even the microbiome. Um, mm-hmm. recently I just did a, a, a work with, um, Dr. Gabrielle Fundoro, okay. a vitamin PhD who, uh, specializes in the gut microbiome. So we did some work on like the gut, uh, is it the, well, kind of like the, the, gut health access and access and stuff like that so the the mind gut connection mm-hmm. and um it was really interesting work so when awesome. it comes to this type of stuff i'm fresh out talking about the gut microbiome oh, so i'm ready perfect. to go absolutely perfect. i mean that makes complete really? sense why we've got well, because this week guys if we've not already given away we are talking about the world of gut health um, and basically we're answering the question is gut health at the center of everything well that is what some experts would like you to believe let's get into this week's the fitness news Okay then guys, so I think we should first answer the question, why are we talking about this? So obviously people who are regulars around here, you'll know that every week we scour the internet for the latest news in health and fitness and a recent article 
by the Daily Mail of all places has caught uh, our attention. Um, I'll read out the tagline. Um, it's better to have a little sugar than any sweetener at all, says gut health guru, Dr. Megan Rossi. So um, we've spoken about artificial sweetness before. Um, you can go check that out at chatshitgetfit.com slash, I think it's just artificial sweeteners. Um, you'll be able to find it somewhere. We did have a whole, whole episode on it. Um, and essentially in that episode, we kind of came to a conclusion of in normal consumption, so what people normally do when they consume these sweeteners, there isn't anything to worry about. But then gut health's now come into it. And when we talk about with gut health, it basically revolves around two things, the gut microbiome, as uh, Jay already mentioned, and glycemic control. But before we jump into that article specifically, um, I want to kind of give some current thoughts on the gut world. And obviously Jay, jump in as our resident expert, if you've got anything you want to add or dispute, of course. So from what me and Tom could have seen, it, it's been getting a lot of attention lately. And what I'd say is researchers are really just starting to get stuck into it. Mm. But stuck into what I would call poorly understood microbial environment. And what I mean by that is that our microbiomes are constantly changing, but the fluctuations obviously to the changing aren't as well understood as we'd like. I mean, Jay, would you agree with that? Yeah, so I would definitely agree that, um, you know, the the study that you uh, sort of linked to was very fascinating, like considering the the gut microbiome i guess like the composition of it changes even within day to day what we saw with those individuals in that particular study but not even that what gets more complicated is that we're talking about trillions of microorganisms all interacting with one another in many different ways and what makes it even more complicated is that when we talk about the gut microbiome we're talking about you know largely the large intestine um, but there's also other microbiomes in the body. There's microbiomes in the mouth. There's mi- there's a microbiome in the, in the small intestine. You know, um, for the female listeners out there, there's a microbiome in the vagina. So there are multiple different types of microbiomes that um, can interact with the body and interact with human health. Obviously, you just highlighted there how much goes on. Then I think the the issue I find is is the way it's communicated to the to the general public. A lot of it. Um, and I think it's quite chaotic. Um, I mean, you, you've probably seen it loads of podcasts, there's loads of articles, obviously we've seen some as well, loads of health coaches especially, kind of pumping out this. Particularly content. in the biohacking space. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, lots of stuff coming out. Right. Um, so obviously this episode, we're going to hopefully try and reduce that chaos. But essentially, as, Tom got, uh, as uh, Jay already sort of said there, and what I can see is it appears that the gut to microbiome responds to just about everything because there's a microbiome all over the place. So it's going to constantly respond. It's going to constantly change. And as you mentioned, that study there, it found that it's a very volatile environment. And I'll quote, characterized by frequent, transient and enormous change. Jay, what would you say your understanding is of the current research on the, the gut biome? I mean, is it, is it because it's new? Is that why everyone's jumping on it? Is everyone getting trying to get in early because it's such a new field of research? They're trying to make their voice the loudest before it gets bigger it's um you know i'm not i'm not sure how inclined inclined you guys are to certain individuals but it's like any other space that's new um that people are really excited about people really want to know about um there oftentimes people make big claims without mm-hmm. a lot of evidence behind it you know just like with the we see this a lot with the neuroscience space now people talking about sleep with people talking about you know uh, saunas and weighted blankets and ice baths and all sorts of stuff like oh, whoa, 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 Jay, stop! Hold, hold on, right, mate. Weighted blankets, mate. I've got a weighted blanket. Leave my weighted blanket alone. <laughs> it keeps me warm. It keeps me safe. It's my, it's my. Do you know what? <laughs> on that topic, my my youngest son is a yeah. fidgeter in his sleep. Yeah. So you, I bought my weighted blanket, him. but just literally just to fucking imprison him into his <laughs> bed. <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant. 
Those come to services. That's about as far as the claims go. You know? <laughs> yeah, right, right. It's literally just the keeping pinned down. Yeah. It's like Batman found one of his gadgets. I don't know. Maybe he's got, you know, he's got the bat around and the bat yeah, smoke. Maybe so he's got the yeah. bat weighted blanket that he throws on the <laughs> Joker. Like, <laughs> take that, you fucker. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, sorry, Jay, mate. Basically, everything you said, Jay, great. Forget the weighted blanket, though. I'm, I'm not having that. That's blasphemy. <laughs> <laughs> Evidence based weighted blankets. What, the bat yeah, blanket? The bat blanket. <laughs> yeah, just going based off of, like, yeah. So it's just like, there's, there's some promising evidence. There's some promising connections, but, you know, we don't have the causal inference yet. When I mean by the causal inference, we don't know what causes what yet, definitely. We have some ideas, we have some associations, but that's as far as it goes. But some individuals obviously want to overstate the evidence because they want attention, they want money, they want to sell something. You know how you know how that goes. Yeah, I mean, Tom, uh, Tom was you saying before, um, off air, you were talking about like basically lots of mechanistic um language yeah. used about people talk about it um mm-hmm. so pretty much though you kind of paraphrase like some of the issues i have with this whole so spoiler alert um this particular topic i absolutely hate talking about <laughs> which is why we brought you on jay so you could talk with me while i uh just sit here chewing gum um reason being is that as you kind of said like there's a lot of kind of claims behind it, and because it is a new space it's like the Wild West out there. You know, it's, it's it's the frontier where people, snake oil salesmen can sell you everything and make these claims about outcomes that come of it. And that's, that's something else I have with the, the, the gut health space is that, see, me as a personal trainer, things are a lot more simplified in the sense that, okay, well, with strength training, we've got, we've got, got like an, we can measure outcomes there. Well, what does actual strength training do for you? Well, it makes you stronger. Okay, cool. Oh, we can also build muscle. Cool. These are things that we can kind of find outcomes with and measure. Um, uh, nutrition is not my strongest point but we know that okay we have data to show that with a certain amount of protein consumption there's outcomes for that it can increase satiety it can repair tissue it can you know aid you in all sorts basically but with gut health like um, a lot of my issues is what actual outcomes are people measuring here so let's say we've got dickhead number one that's trying to sell me a probiotic from his natural supplement company it's like okay it's good for gut health. What's the outcome here? Oh, well, it's good for your gut. Okay, but how? That what's the, yeah, but, what's yeah, actually going to happen here? What can I expect to happen? Is it yeah. going to improve my sleep? Am I going Is to shit going more? Am I going to shit less? Right, yeah, yeah, do you see what I mean? It's actually <laughs> going to improve my metabolic health markers, yeah. which once again we can measure. But like what I was uh, saying to Bill beforehand is like, a lot of it in the science space at least seems to be based off mechanistic data. And for our listeners that might not understand what I mean by that, if I was to explain it really simply, imagine if I had a fork and I stuck it into my plug socket and I electrocuted myself. I'm not going to do that. I've done that once before. I've learned my lesson since. But if I was to then say, oh, well, I know that if I then do the exact same thing with a wooden spoon, surely the same thing's going to happen because it just makes sense. That's how the mechanism worked before. But actually, we know it's not going to happen because the wooden spoon isn't conductive. So with mechanistic data, it's just we're making assumptions because we kind of know how the body works. And that's my issue with this whole gut health space is that it's so new, a lot of it just seems based on the evidence I've seen on mechanistic data. Right. I think, you know, obviously, I'm not a big fan of, of mechanistic data as far as making big claims. You yeah. know, mechanistic data is important for driving hypothesis and establishing. Yeah, it's still useful, isn't it? Yeah. 
Hmm. It's it's good for yeah, it's good it's good for for what it's good for. But when it comes to like like kind of like what you're alluding to, uh, Tom, like hard human outcomes, it's not as useful because like for instance, <clears throat> a certain like bacteria in the gut might impact a petri dish that probably won't impact a, a mouse and that probably won't impact a human being. So the the applic- uh, application of it is sometimes really weak. So that's, you know, obviously an obvious limitation of, you know, gut microbiome research. What I think it's it's the, the more promising area is really focusing on just doing it's it, it, for me, it gives another reason to do the health behaviors that we always talk about eating a high fiber diet, exercising, you know, um, not treating your body like complete crap. Maybe some of the downfalls with antibiotics, you know, taking too many antibiotics, you know, that type of deal. But, you know, as far as like the big claims about like probiotics solving like your sleep or anything like that, I think those are really out there. I mean, uh, it's kind of quickly rewind, guys, just to mention that. So we mentioned a study about the variability stuff. So for people who want to know that one, it's temporal variability in quantitative human gut microbiome profiles and implications for clinical research. Of course, all the studies that we do mention will be linked down in the show notes if you are interested. Um, Guys, we move specifically onto artificial sweeteners because obviously that was where the original article comes. So um, what do we know? So if we start by looking at that study, it is fairly new. It's personalized microbiome-driven effects of non-nutritive sweeteners on human glucose tolerance so obviously used artificial sweeteners on human glucose tolerance um, and the researchers enrolled 120 healthy adults who did not previously consume artificial sweeteners to participate in the study that's a limitation which we're going to come on to um, participants were randomly assigned to ingest an expen- experimental treatment daily for two weeks which is oh, don't even know how to pronounce it saturin how do you pronounce that one i think yeah, saccharide, yeah, plus a glucose vehicle or sucralose, plus a glucose vehicle or aspartame, plus a glucose vehicle or stevia, plus a glucose vehicle or a glucose vehicle only, which was the placebo or no treatment, which was control. There's a lot of stuff going on there, basically lots of comparison. Um, if you're not aware of what a glucose vehicle is, it's basically a small amount of bulking agent, which is in the form of a carb. So if you, it might be like five grams of carbs. That sounds small, basically, just to just to bulk it out. Okay. And um, basically what the researchers found was that sucralose and saccharin or saturin impaired glycemic responses as measured via self-administered oral glucose tolerance tests. The researchers observed that all of the artificial sweeteners tested induced changes to the microbiome. Okay, so they all of them made a change to the microbiome. So if you look at that, you'll be like, oh, okay, fucking over we go. And as highlighted actually in the article, a lot of people got excited about this and they're sort of suggesting that, you know, oh, you maybe shouldn't be drinking so much Diet Coke, et cetera, et cetera. Now, while I think this is good, obviously it's, it's a, you know, it's, a, it's another, it's another new study. The issue I've got, um, of course, Jay jumping is that it, it does contradict some previous research, which then makes it hard to be conclusive back in 2019. And this research was called short term impact of sucralose consumption on the metabolic response and gut microbiome of healthy adults. And this paper found that compared to a placebo, seven days of consuming 780 milligrams a day of sucralose, which is the equivalent to 20 diet sodas per day, which I think is a lot for most people. I don't, I don't know anyone who consumes that many diet sodas per day did not did not significantly affect glycemic control or the gut microbiome okay so you've got this paper saying that 20 diet sodas a day is doing nothing and then this other one saying that it does okay so the question i've got jay really is in terms of replication is this something we need to wait out on in terms of artificial sweeteners and the effect on the biome there, there's some limitations with you know even the study like you said uh you alluded to that the the glucose response pretty much wasn't 
as clinically relevant. Uh, sure. It's kind of really small, like increases. Um, another issue that I had, which was sort of pointed out by Lane Norton, which was kind of true, is that the oral glucose tolerance tests were self-administered. Yeah, so typically when you uh, do an oral glucose tolerance test, you need to be fasted for about eight hours. Oh, okay. Yeah. If, if, <laughs> you're, not, if you're not fasted before then, we don't, we don't necessarily know whether it actually increased appropriately because maybe you know maybe an individual took it they were fasted for four hours and then that probably mm. would have impacted results so it could have been interference yeah exactly there, there could have been some interference we we don't necessarily know another issue with uh or a glucose tolerance test which i um i looked up is that it doesn't necessarily tell you um a diagnosis so it doesn't tell you anything clinically in the long term so it's a short term you know, tests, it doesn't necessarily say like, hey, like you have impaired glucose tolerance in the long run. It doesn't tell you whether you have, you know, diabetes. It doesn't tell you anything long-term about your blood sugars. So it's really a short-term test, which was self-administered, which, you know, um, it's good for what it's good for, but it's not perfect. I don't think it was long-term either. No, no it's not short. Was it seven days or? It wouldn't be classed as gold standard. When you look at studies, they're normally like a gold standard of testing. This wouldn't, I'd be say, class as gold standard. It's far from gold standard in terms of testing yeah. that outcome, right? Um, I also mentioned a limitation earlier about the first study. So the one that was uh, the new one mentioned in the Daily Mail article was that this was done on a specialized uh, population. By and what I mean by that is that the people there are people who did not consume artificial sweeteners. Okay, and I would class that as a specialist population because. I would argue that in modern food supply, there's there's a lot of artificial pe- like people don't even know they're they're regularly consuming artificial sweeteners. So to find people who don't actually have any, it's quite a mission. I mean, if we actually look at how they got their participants, so these were enrolled from 2018 to 2020, 120 as I said, but the researchers had to screen 1,375 individuals in order to enroll this sample. And I'll read a quote here as well: the vast majority of ineligible candidates were found to consume artificial sweeteners in many cases unknowingly. It's, it's very hard to find people who don't do this. So it's a very special population. And I think most people listening have, probably do have a, a Diet Coke, whatever, maybe one a day or maybe a couple, few times a week, whatever. So I think it's very hard to find people right. who don't. You know, I would also like to throw in another uh, review that I, I went over recently for, for just for this topic. It's called The Effects of Sweeteners on the Gut Microbi- Microbiota, a review of experimental studies and clinical trials by Us. Ojea, sorry, came in pronounce it right. In comedy, <laughs> <laughs> I'll send yeah. that guys over to you, but I'll send it yeah. over to you guys. But um, essentially, it's a review going over many of the um, clinical mechanistic outcomes related to um, <clears throat> artificial sweeteners and the gut microbiome. Um, there's a lot of contradicting findings and evidence within the space, and largely, you know, when we're looking at the clinical studies, there doesn't seem to be an effect on artificial sweeteners you know we're talking about ace k uh aspartame uh sucralose and uh, saccharine on you know the gut microbiome so we we have this body of evidence that suggests that there's no really no real impacts we have one study suggesting one thing but when it comes to the whole body of evidence we we don't have that strong like yeah there's there's a definite connection so it's not just so we don't get straw men. I probably should have said this straight away from the beginning, actually. It's not like we're saying, oh, nothing is happening here, mm. but rather maybe nothing significant and maybe something that can't even be replicated either. Yeah. 
As, as we've already alluded to, it's a very volatile space, the microbiome. It changes to fucking all sorts, loads of factors. Who knows, in impact. 20 or 30 yeah, knows? years' yeah. time, I might be eating my words. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, we just need more evidence. We need more mm. um, findings. But, you know, as far as right now, we don't have compelling evidence outside of this, you know, maybe one study that suggests an effect. We, mm. we don't have anything else to really go off of that says, like, yeah, this is a definite connection. This is a definite causal, um, you know, effect. We, we don't we just don't have it so it's like if one like i think it's a sign the scientific mindset that if one study goes in the face of other evidence we we need more evidence right it's it's not it's, there's, there's no smoking gun there's no oh you know look the experts were wrong it's nothing like that i think as well we go back to that the language used by people to push this gut so i think tom you mentioned how um on the article the original one the daily mail one if i go back to the title um there was a quote wasn't it it said it is better to have little sugar than any sweetener at all says gut health guru dr megan rosser you said you couldn't find that quote anywhere but the daily mail yeah. wrote that as their title yeah so i'm i mean i'm hoping i'm hoping that's just the daily mail being the daily mail because the thing is um right. I, I know of the person who is in this article and i actually follow her on social media and she's always seemed sound of like she, she's always seemed pretty sound when it comes to like uh, evidence-based communication etc mm. and even when you look at the article there's nothing definitive she's saying like mm -hmm. how we need to avoid artificial sweeteners etc um so yeah i'm, I'm i think that's just but well, i'm hoping i'm hoping she hasn't said that because i would be disappointed if she has because that is kind of pretty harmful language to use um mm. particularly when like the data shows that well the majority of data shows that artificial sweeteners are pretty much safe to consume in reasonable well, amounts also as well i wanted to talk about the whole thing of risk versus reward even if there was let's say some you know minor impact on the gut that might i don't know make you have some sort of sensation although some actual outcome we found about the risk versus reward so if we look at a paper from 22 and i'll read out the title it's association of low and no calorie sweetened beverages as a replacement for sugar sweetened beverages with body weight and cardi uh, cardio metabolic risk a systematic review and major analysis so this basically said for interventions lasting three to 52 weeks in duration so quite a long time beverages with artificial sweeteners were associated with reduced weight reduced bmi reduced body fat percentages and liver fat when replacing sugar sweetened beverages okay so basically replacing a normal coke with a diet coke mm. okay um so in terms of weight management and we know we know we've got actual outcomes for you know in terms of like weight management the impacts of obesity and things like that we know that so if we've got a, an actual data which shows having an artificially sweetened drink can help you manage that why are we then going to put that down because there's some potential yeah. data saying, oh, it's going to change your gut microbiome? I don't really. <laughs> and even then, that's just on the specific topic of um, weight management. But we've also got evidence to show that in general, in regards Definitely. to its effects yeah. on health, you know, unless you're consuming a, I'm not going to use one of my standard Tom measurements, but you know, a <laughs> yeah. bath full of, you know, <laughs> yeah. I can't pronounce it. I, I'm gonna say I'm gonna steal what you said, Jay. Ace K. You know, as we're not having a bath of Ace K, it's fine. I'm gonna start doing that now because I can't pronounce the full thing. Yeah, that's the first of the K. Yes, there you go. <laughs> One of the sweetest. Ace K. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. I'm stealing that. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, like, when it comes to artificial sweeteners, I think that we need to stop looking at the when you start looking at the the forest instead of the trees. You know, we're we're really focusing on one particular thing that really doesn't matter for uh when it comes to the majority of the evidence base if you're consuming these artificial sweeteners within the recommended daily allowance there doesn't seem to be an effect and even if there was an effect like this in this one study 
what does that tell us clinically? What, how is that relevant in a clinical manner? You know, we can't sit there and, and use a oral glucose tolerance test to tell us that um, artificial sweeteners are going to cause diabetes. You know, that's, it's just we, we can't do that. So what's the clinical relevance? I think that's another way of thinking about these different topics, you know, when he talks about human outcomes. And just to want to add more one thing because it links quite well. Even though that paper I just mentioned wasn't on, um, you know, the whole gut thing and stuff, it was um, they mentioned the impacts on glycemic control were negligible. Okay, which is important to know as well. So it's another another a recent study which basically showed a bit contradicting what this new uh, Daily Mail article study uh, <laughs> uh, said. Okay, so basically we just we just don't know really. Um, I'd, uh, it's one of those, and we've got to keep an eye out. But what's frustrating us, I think, is just this plethora of health coaches and as you told me mentioned biohackers just do you know what i do charging. think this is like a perfect recipe for base for grifters basically because one what do most grifters tend to you know like the, the shirtless types in supermarkets trying to food check, you know? <laughs> yeah, those you, you know who i mean yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know like, what's the easy go to what's the lowest handing fruits you could demonize fuck it artificial sweeteners yeah right. and then suddenly you've got this as i said this like i said earlier it's the wild west it's the frontier you know it hasn't probably been explored yet so if you're going to make crazy claims that uh, oh oh what is it it's the um, brandolini's law where hmm. it creates more effort to dispute bullshit yeah than what it does to originally create it so with gut health where it is so fresh you can add the claims of artificial sweeteners being damaging to, oh, fuck it, let's just say it impacts gut health. Because then it's really hard to explain because there's not that much evidence out yeah, it's there. it's harder than, yeah, harder it's to It's harder go. to kind of say, well, <laughs> is this actually true? Let me go and find some evidence. And then you can be that guy to say, well, actually, yeah, you can spin it in a sense that, well, yeah, because gut health, you won't find any evidence that proves me wrong because it's not out there. It's not being made, but somehow I've been made privy to it. Do you know why, Tom? Do you know why? Big Pharma. Big farmer. That's why, mate. That's fucking why, They don't want you to know. They don't want you to know. That's why. It's all hidden. <laughs> I don't know what big farmers do with artificial sweeteners, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They'll, they'll, they'll have something to do with it, mate. I mean, it's really it's really easy to, to cherry pick a, a rat study or, or a study done in cells on a Petri dish um, in this space right now. So, you know, it, I had another, uh, another paper that was a review from 2015 called, you know, Non-Calorie Artificial Sweeteners and the Microbiome Findings and Challenges. And in that paper, it highlights that there's actually some studies where it shows a benefit for like rats, you know, for instance, consuming artificial sweeteners. So like there's (laughs) conflicting evidence sometimes like you you could cherry pick any like type of- Wild West. Wild West, as you said, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Suddenly, suddenly I find myself in favor of rat studies. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Hail the rat overlord. Guys, we'll move on to this next one. This is something that's also, I think, worth touching on just because it's, this is definitely biohacking territory and I've seen this loads on Instagram and stuff is something called leaky gut. Um, and now this is something that's been popping up, especially in natural health circles. Um, even recently, actually, there's a friend of mine at the gym. He said he got a blood test. He was working with some guy, but he got a blood test and basically he got told by the person who was, the, the person he was working with wasn't the one who obviously did the test, but he's the, he said, get a blood test and we'll look at your results. And he told him he had minor leaky gut, so he wouldn't be absorbing nutrients as well as he should because of this minor leaky gut um if we if we look at what's claimed then so if you want like, just for people reference what leaky gut is um basically 
bacteria and toxins enter the bloodstream through the leaky intestines and wreak havoc throughout the body causing bloating, gas, cramps, inflammatory bowel disease, so IBD, as well as fatigue, food sensitivities, joint pain, moodiness, irritability, sleeplessness, autism, fuck I don't know why that's been thrown in there, skin problems like eczema and psoriasis. Basically there's a lot of issues that can happen if you've got a leaky gut. Um, <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't even think leaky gut is even an official part of medical terminology. No, it's not. I don't think it's even a real thing. It's not even a real it's diagnosis. Not, it's not a real I diagnosis. Think it's kind of it? like term, like it's like the word toned. It's not actually there is there is a thing official. called there is a thing called intestinal uh, permeability. Like that is a thing. If you went to see like a med, they would they could say that. But the term leaky gut, they would you won't go to doctor and they go, fucking hell, John, you've got a leaky gut there, mate. You know, they're not going <laughs> So, um, ba- basically, for me, a plumber, point, I, I don't know if you agree with me, Jay, but I feel like it's a funky term used to promote like random roots and shit. You know, like, yeah. um, and then people get potential easing of symptoms through, I don't know, they take something called like the root of Roger, the bark of Boris, you know, all these random little things you find in the forest. Take this and your leaky gut will be healed. And, <laughs> you know, it's like. So, you know, Dr. Fundura, um, she wrote a, a type, like, pretty much a book on gut health. Sure. Um, so, you know, she was kind enough to send it to me and, you know, I was reading over it when I was going over this episode and, you know, the, the leaky gut, you know, uh, like you said, the, di- the quack diagnosis yeah. is based on a grain of truth, which is, you know, mm-hmm. um, intestinal permeability, but, you know, when intestinal permeability, um, we don't know what necessarily causes that, you know, it could be, mm. A particular infection it could be you know whatever we, we don't, it's a chicken and egg situation we don't know whether yeah. um a, a particular thing causes it or it causes something else you know so it's kind of you know more up in the air uh, most of the times it's seen as a symptom of something else that's going on in the body mm-hmm. now you know <clears throat> excuse me we'll get with intestinal permeability you know, you want to see an actual fucking doctor for it. You don't want to see yeah. a quack, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, like a, a person that's, that's making you do all these stupid ass blood tests that probably don't mean anything that are probably not validated. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's something that people need to consider. You know, I know there's a lot of like those IG, those IgG, like food sensitivity tests and stuff like that going around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A, lot of, a lot of times those are not validated. Those are not telling you what the, what you think that they're telling you. And a lot of times, you know, they're coming from, they're really expensive and they're unnecessary. So don't worry about shit like that. Mm. And I think with those tests as well, something I've noticed just from speaking to that guy as well is that they give you all these fucking results, all these numbers, all these stats. And what do they mean? There's never really clear communication what they mean. They'd be like, oh, so this is saying this, this is saying this, this is saying this. And I feel mm. like all that's given is that's opening the door to some of these health coaches to just basically say a load of smart shit. Oh, you fucking, your A, B, C, D, E, F, G gut is about 4% down there, mate. You're probably not eating enough fat. You're probably too stressed. You might need to meditate. You probably need to go sit in a cold ice bath. You know, it gives them an opportunity to make you do random shit because you don't know what the fuck it is. It's like the Nostradamus effect. You can basically interpret it however you want want, it to make sure your pocket's getting filled. Yeah, so you you can give your service. Um, What makes it worse is that people are privy to understanding what these blood tests mean or what they don't mean so you know you're at the whim of whoever gave it to you so if a person is claiming to be an expert and you're like a single mom you know just trying to get your health together whatever just making up a scenario and someone tells you well you have leaky gut um and they're let's say a a coach or let's say they're they're even a, a medical doctor 
who is a functional medical doctor or whatever, you're not <laughs> privy to like, say that's kind of full of shit or that's not true. You're going to go with whatever the person is saying, especially if they're coming at it from a place of authority and they're saying a whole bunch of fancy shit. I mean, in terms of gut health in general, Jay, have you seen actually, have you seen any actual data on leaky gut? Has there been anyone actually gone up there and try to unpack this? Dr. Fernur has a, a really good book on this and she covers leaky gut uh, in a passage um so yeah so i i think there was she said that i'm gonna read from the actual textbook that she has so in fact the recent meta-analysis found that complaints such as diarrhea gas and bloating are not correlated with altered intestinal permeability measures of intestinal permeability are useful in experimental settings as discussed in the intestinal permeability section and may provide additional insights into the pathophysiology of various disease states However, the clinical relevance is limited by a lack of validated methods to assess how altered intestinal permeability affects the function and integrity of the GI tract in humans. So that means that we don't know a lot of stuff yet. We need to figure more stuff out. We need to do more validated tests and we need more research. So basically, health coach John on Instagram has no fucking idea what, what what they're trying to say when they say you've got a leaky gut. So it's um, yeah, be be cautious because it is it does seem to be one of the uh, flavors of the month. I think yeah, it just seems to be a bit of a nebulous. I mean, as Jay said, like it is based on a you know a truth in regards a to tr- yeah. gut. I can't permeability. it. Gut permeability. Someone help me, please. Yeah, that word. <laughs> I was panicking yeah. then. Yeah. Um, Tongue twister. But it does seem like a lot of, uh, fuck it, let's just call them wellness influencers, why not? Or wellness yeah, practitioners mm. seem to just use this idea of leaky gut as this really nebulous term that can basically mean anything. Mm. I think that the, the, pro, so, um, the, sorry, can't get the right word out, but the prolific, uh, I think there's a shift, right? So before it was the fitness industry selling stupid supplements, stupid workouts, stupid this, stupid that. But now what's becoming more... Um, sort of evil, I, th- I would like to say, is that the wellness space, which is feeding off of people who actually deal with chronic diseases, people who deal yeah. with, you know, these these other illnesses that um, they're not sure what it means for them, you know, such as autoimmune disease, such as metabolic diseases. And it's really like, I, I would argue it's killing people, you know, like, how much misinformation is there around something like diabetes? You know, I'm a diabetic, you know, how much misinformation is around diabetes? There's a lot. How much misinformation is around autoimmune disease or leaky gut or whatever, like gut issues? Because there's people that deal with, with issues like bloating, IBS, you know, certain shit with their gut. You know, I'm in, I'm in my little sister. She deals with stuff like that. And it's like it's so easy to just fall into, well, you know, do take this probiotic, take this supplement, take this, you know, do this protocol, read this book. And because you want answers for your problem, you know, you want immediate solutions for your problem. So I think the wellness space is is, is even worse than the fitness industry in many ways. And it's even, uh, it's going to kill people. I've noticed as well, the people in the wellness space, they tend to be the ones who are the best at communicating in terms of like, they're very persuasive. They're very, they can be very charismatic sometimes. Um, and for the, the layman watching the videos they put out, maybe the content they put out, it's like, oh my God, this person is talking absolute sense. Like, look at them on those podcasts. They're so intelligent. Oh my God, like they, they just, they, just yeah. wanna, they care about me. They, they, they seem like they're really Huberman. empathetic. Yeah, human. <laughs> yeah, just, no, okay. just say, just his, say name. his name. <laughs> say his name. Yeah, don't say his name. We don't say his name here. We don't speak his name here. But um, you know what I mean? It's that, and I think that's why they do so well is because you said, Jay, people who actually suffer with these conditions it's you're constantly trying to find some relief 
And if right. you're if you're scrolling through TikTok, Instagram, and you get this person who seems like they care and they're saying about so you know there was this thing called leaky gut. You know there was a study there was a study done on I don't know dinosaurs back in fucking four million BC. <laughs> and basically what they found was is that when you take this 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 and this, and because they're just so well communicate, they're very good at communicating. You're drawn in. They've got graphics popping up on the screen. They've got all these fucking you know it's, everything's going off. You're engaged in the content. Next thing you know you're buying a yeah, exactly. And next, you know, you're at, you're in Tesco buying an Activia yogurt because you think it's going <laughs> to solve your their solve performance. Your and yeah. the sad thing about that as well, it's not just a case of um, it's not just a case of that they're they're targeting vulnerable people, particularly people that may have serious health issues or on the onset of health issues. But another massive issue is that they create a them versus us yeah mindset, mm. and um, particularly in the past couple of years. In regards to COVID, look at the distrust it's caused with public health. Mm. Yeah. You know, particularly with GPs and doctors, yeah. surgeons, etc. And don't get me wrong, anyone with doctor before their name can be wrong. Don't get me wrong. But when it comes to like the overwhelming evidence with actual data as well, actual you know, actual scientific data compared to MD Ken whoever. You know, it, it's it's sad. It, it creates distrust, and do you know what? It's it's actually something that I've experienced on a personal level as well in regards to some members of my family where they've had issues, and they think their cure is turmeric shots. And so, if they mm. want to take turmeric, cool. I'm not going to you know stop them, but it's created pushback whenever I've gone. Um, Joe, you might be better off actually doing X, Y, Z. You know, and following basically the World Health Organization's physical guidelines, but instead. It creates a distrust between me and that person because they think that I'm judging them, or if, and I'm not. I'm genuinely not, and I'm coming mm. at it from an empathetic, passionate. You know, at the end day, I've got a fucking qualification behavior change. I'm not that person that's going. You're doing it wrong. You've got to do it this way. But just simply me, you know, trying to say, you know, you might be better off doing this instead. It creates that distrust, and I do put that down to a lot of these grifters that have created this us versus them mentality yeah a lot of people rely on um conspiracy narratives conspiratorial yeah. thinking you know uh, science denial the tricks of science denial it's it's really persuasive you know and it's it becomes even harder when people start associating with certain quacks or or, or certain yeah. i would say halfway quacks like people like huberman are like more like halfway quacks half and yeah, half yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, they're mm-hmm. like sometimes they say some accurate shit sometimes they don't say some accurate shit but on the whole they're mostly a yeah. quack um, you get the buying it, effects don't you it's like they've it, said something that actually oh right. this is true but now they've gained your trust and now you can kind of go a bit rogue with it. And I think well, they that's start going actually, out of their yeah. lane, don't they? I feel like they start in a lane where they know what they're on about and then they get this sort of, I don't know, because they, people they, people start to listen to them, they start going left and right of their lane because they convince themselves that everything they say is is the word. You know, is that, is that, you know, in, Rather than just you know, saying, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> instead of going, I don't know or I need to look into it, they'll be like, well, actually, because of this mechanism, as I said, in those dinosaurs back in fucking 4 million BC, you know, that they, they think this is going to happen, they start going off in all different directions and because people trust them or they've listened to them before they then you know it spirals misinformation goes everywhere i'm getting instagram reels telling me to have 14 ice baths a day it's fucking it's out, it's out of control <laughs> yeah. yeah no i mean i mean it's it's serious like the, the 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 amount of disinformation and misinformation online and now with you know things like podcasts things like newsletters things like you know just these other forms of, of communication tiktok whatever it's making it a lot worse yeah it because is. Hmm. It doesn't help when people in the space that you look up to, you know, I'm not going to say names, 
start to associate with these individuals. Sure. Start, start to be on their podcast. Like it, it really yeah. makes you feel like it makes you sick to your stomach. I don't care whether you go on a quacks podcast to say some accurate shit, you're still giving them airtime. You're still, mm-hmm. you're still validating them to some extent. I don't care what you're doing it for. You're still, you're still kind of betraying what the evidence space space is about. Jay, if you were to summarize gut health in a sentence, what would you say? I would say I actually wrote down what I define gut health as. So um, gut health, I define it as typically refers to the proper digestion, absorption, and synthesis of nutrients in a digestive tract that is populated with a diverse microbiome capable of adapting to different stressors in the body. I think I like that, especially the adapt- adaptation piece out there. That's very important. Um, yeah. Which is what I'll go back to earlier when I said that population on that study when they were non artificial sweetener consumers, you could argue have they adapted to that sort of um, that food? Because as you know, we we can adapt to different types of food, can't we? You know, like for example, we were talking earlier about uh, the, the you know some of the vegan stuff. If people go vegan or they go off vegan, whatever, it's a very different type of food. Hot, more fiber in there. It's, it's different. So they, if or if you go to dairy, if you if you haven't had dairy before and you start having dairy, it's going to feel quite odd at first because it's a new we call it a stimulus if you want to go to resistance training principles a new stimulus to the body so it's going to take a bit of time for you to adapt to that um what is it we've said like several times on this podcast now is that the body is an ecosystem mm. you know mm-hmm. and like any ecosystem is going to be affected but it'll be affected in different degrees you know just right. because you might have something that might affect your gut health doesn't necessarily mean your your world is going to come crushing down around <laughs> sure. you but, right. but at the end of the day, we just simply don't know yet. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's the thing that people are uncomfortable with online with the idea that we don't know, you know, that we don't necessarily have all the answers yet. And it's really uh, seductive for someone that claims to have the answers for you to listen to them, you know, because no one likes to act like they don't know. Um, no one wants to be in that space of uncertainty where it's like we're trying to figure shit out. Um, unfortunately, that's just how it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Thanks again. I think we'll wrap up there, guys. Uh, thanks again for joining us, Jay. It's always an absolute pleasure having you on. As uh, reinforcements, as I like to say when we have guests on, you know, bolstering our <laughs> the <laughs> bolstering artillery. The, yeah. yeah, the artillery covered in for sure. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. Jay, where can people find you, mate? Um, I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Science mm-hmm. by Jay. No caps, awesome. no spaces. J J E Science by Jay. Um, cool. Yep. So that's where people can find me. Awesome. We'll have that link down below, guys. Um, there's loads of awesome nutrition content on there. Um, what, what sort of um, what sort of service you're offering at the moment, Jay? I've set, noticed you. Is it the nutri- nutrition ghostwriting? Is that the thing you're kind of on at yeah. the moment? Yeah. So right yeah. now, for fitness coaches, especially out there, I'm helping them uh, with you know content creation. I'm ghostwriting for them. I also help with you know content marketing. So you know sometimes I actually coach clients on well, coach coaches on like how to create more effective content. You know, whatever that looks like for them for, for making money or getting email subscribers or whatever. Yeah, awesome, guy. I mean, if you are listening, I know we do obviously a lot of personal trainers listening. Um, it's okay not to know. If you don't feel like you're if you're a really good trainer but you struggle in that nutrition space, um, having someone like Jay on your team is obviously going to be a huge benefit because it means you haven't got to then pretend to clients that you have a clue what you're talking about. You can be like, okay, I've got Jay in my corner basically giving me the stuff I need to know, the content that will obviously help out and help the clients out. So I think it makes complete sense. We can't know everything. We only know what we know. So get help if you can. Jay, we will, of course, speak to you again in the future, no doubt. Definitely. I'm happy to be on Thanks again. always, mate. It was awesome speaking to you, Jay. 
Guys, that is all the news this week. Um, thanks for joining us. It was also good. It was always good, I should say, to have uh, Jay on the podcast. If you've not heard his previous episodes, I will link them down below so you can check them out. It's always good when he comes on. Um, you know, he's wealth of knowledge, so as we call it, the artillery coming in. If you do want to change your gut bacteria, apparently yogurt does something. Or you know what does do it? Yeah, join the Patreon. If yeah, you join the you Patreon. Go, yeah. If you join our patrons, yeah. if you join this Jenny one and Clean weird and the rest trick, of the crew, this one that will that we have, yeah, we've got this one weird trick. The moment you press sign up to Patreon, not only do you get the podcast early and you get loads of video content, you also get an improved gut microbiome. We will nuke and cleanse That's, your flora. That always sounds oh, sexual, doesn't it? Nuke and cleanse. Well, wow. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nuke and cleanse your flora. <laughs> well, Mrs. In for a treat. <laughs> Fuck it, yeah, get us signed oh, up, Jesus. mate. I'm going to sign up right now. Fuck it out, yeah. Guys, get yourself down there. Patreon.com slash CSGF uh, podcast. And uh, get your floor um, And there you go, you're going to get nuked. <laughs> get- <laughs> <laughs> you know, this links quite nicely, Tom, to you saying about how you go at the night to all of our patrons and you give them a little visit, a little tuck Yeah. Is that, is, that after you've nu- is that after you've nuked and cleansed their flora? Your flora is about to be nuked. <laughs> I'm going to stop doing the clicking now. <laughs> As you tuck them in. <laughs> yeah. Oh, brilliant, yeah. Um, but yeah, guys. Join, join the Patreon. Yeah. Sports is a lot, and we do appreciate it as always. Um, have a yogurt, yeah. Or have, have a yogurt, yeah. That might work. Cool. Um, we will see you next week, same time, same place, for some more the fitness news. Goodbye. See you soon. Bye.